This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao. This podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith Weekly Devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in the episode description. Bishop, thank you so much for this week's devotion you called Battered. Your devotion was on Matthew 14, chapters 22 to 33, and this is the, the story where Jesus was uh, basically calmed a storm that the, the disciples were in a boat and they were being tossed to and fro. They're exceptionally worried and scared and all that stuff, right? So I think if I'm reading the story correctly, the moral of the story is that uh, we sink when we don't trust Jesus. And the theme for this, you go on to further say that we have a third pandemic that we're facing right now in our society, and that is the pandemic of fear. So, Bishop, let's talk about fear, shall we? Sure. Sure. <laughs> As I was reading it, I, I, you might make fun of me and laugh a little bit, but I, I, I went to a Yoda quote. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's one of my favorites. Okay. He says this. He says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. So just to get us started, Bishop, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on the wise sage Yoda. Yeah, I I think Yoda got it all said. I think that's what makes him a sage, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, what I was concerned about in this story, what, what sort of jumped out at me was the fact that they were battered, the disciples were in a boat. And Jesus was was somewhere else, you know, in a in a personal prayer meeting, you know, and uh, they were battered by waves, and they were far from land, and the wind was against them. Those three, and uh, they were distressed all night uh, in in those you know under those circumstances. And it occurred to me that we are sort of like them, only our battering and the wind against us, uh, and us being far from the norm. Um, is, 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 is quite a battering and, uh, and fear is, uh, is beginning, it seems to me, uh, to take us over. Um, and so in addition to the COVID-19 pandemic, and of course the, the racial reckoning that we're undergoing right now, this sort of, the, this ongoing pandemic, 401 years old in this country around race and equity and justice, you know, is this other uh, pandemic, uh, which is sort of as, as, as old as as old as humankind, and that's fear. And and I guess I wanted to just say that it seems to me that um, the more we're battered, the more we we let our defenses down for fear and can be really swallowed up by it. And so Jesus Jesus comes uh, walking. Uh, on the water one morning, the story says, uh, a hand outstretched to his disciples in these uh, difficult circumstances. And, you know, and Peter jumps out of the boat and he wants to walk towards the Lord. And as long as he's focused on Jesus, he's able to do the miraculous. He actually does walk on the water. But as soon as he becomes, and the story says, frightened, as soon as he becomes fearful, as soon as he worries about the wind and the waves, more than he sort of focuses on Jesus, he begins to sink. And I think that that is just a, a lesson for us all, particularly now. Mm. So uh, as I was researching the Yoda quote, Bishop, <laughs> uh, I found one psychologist who 
actually disagreed with Yoda completely uh, and thought, actually, that's not good advice. That's actually really bad advice because fear is actually good. It, quote, keeps us safe. And so I'm wondering if you can share any of your thoughts on that statement. Yeah, fear does keep us safe in the most basic human response, right? Fear will keep us safe from going down a path that we shouldn't go to. Fear will help us do the fight, flight, freeze, or what's the other one? Um, You know, all that stuff. So Bishop, what's the distinction between just base fear and useful fear? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I I don't think that the, the scripture is trying to talk us back from, you know, basic survival instincts, right? Um, there are some things that we should be afraid of, right? We should, we should be afraid of putting ourselves uh, in, in da- unnecessary danger. We should be afraid and take precautions uh, on, you know, how we commute and wearing seatbelts and what nowadays washing our hands and wearing masks, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sort of uh, talking and not sort of disparaging that kind of fear. I'm, I'm disparaging this other kind of fear. Uh, that imprisons us as people, that keeps us emotionally and spiritually underdeveloped. Um, that that um, I think this is you know Jesus you know certainly you know the Bible tells us that God is in the soul making business, and so I, I think that if if our souls are going to grow in God, uh, we've got to uh, uh, we've got to take risks. Um, and, and some of those risks will be small and some of those risks will be large. Um, and, and we've got to also, uh, get a handle on our fears. I mean, you know, implicit in all of this is, is that we've got to be introspective, right? We've got to be reflective about what we're afraid of. And the truth of the matter is, is that, um, uh, many of us harbor really deep seated and limiting fears that keep us from, from being the, the sort of light uh, that God would have us to be. We're, we're, uh, we're afraid of failure. Uh, we're a fear, afraid of other. Uh, we're afraid of embarrassment, et cetera. And, and, and those things uh, run counter uh, to what God is calling us uh, to be and to do. God is calling, as Paul, the Apostle Paul says, to be fools. Um, uh, uh, Dr. King talked about being the transformed non-conformists, conformists, we're going to have to engage our fears about belonging uh, if we're going to do that. Um, uh, Professor Brueggemann talks about uh, we're going to have to decide because of Jesus to be odd uh, in this world. And so th- those are the fears that I'm talking about, the, the, the fears that go along uh, and must be handled if we're going to be faithful people. Uh, will there be enough? Uh, will God take care? Um, uh, am I alone? Uh, all those kinds of fears which can limit the gospel in our real lives. Well, I, I'm curious that you you finished with First Timothy chapter one verse seven, and it's this: Take heart, don't be afraid. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So some of the thoughts that you were sharing earlier struck me wondering if wondering what your thoughts are of what Jesus meant by or I'm sorry Paul meant by a sound mind. 
Yeah, that's translated also as self-discipline, right? And so I think that um, when we're talking about fear, I think that what we're also talking about is developing some practices for ourselves so that we can sort of work with the fears that are uh, that come to us. I mean, look, the truth of the matter is, is that being baptized is not a magical elixir. Uh, we're still susceptible to having real world world fears. But we have a resource. I think this is what Paul is saying. So we, we have to remember that we are not made to be slaves to fear and that we have been given power, right? Dynamite, uh, it translates, dynamite. We've been given power, uh, uh, the power of love, right? And a sound mind. So in other words, uh, we have to take up practices which allow us uh, to not necessarily eradicate the fears, but put them uh, in their rightful place. This is what happens with Peter. Peter walks out of the boat, and in that split moment, uh, any fears he has are, are put in their rightful place. That is, they are subordinate to the Lord who's calling him over the wind and waves. And, and when he uh, succumbs to his fear in that moment, you know, then the equation gets broken and he begins to sink. And so uh, what I like to say is, is that there, there are practices that we need to take up about fear. I used to talk to people, uh, you know, when we used to talk about stewardship and those sorts of things. If you've got a fear about not having enough, then gently start taking one or two steps regularly in terms of generosity that put that fear in its rightful place. Yes, it's good to be prudent with money, but if you're afraid, right, of not having enough, that's not necessarily prudence. And so generosity is the self-disciplined approach to putting that fear of not having enough in its rightful place, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that sound mind, self-discipline is just about realizing that we've got to work at this thing. We've got to practice being faithful. Well, friends, don't fear, don't fret. We'll be right back with four people after a short break. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Bishop, earlier you were just talking about practices. And so my next question is, is, is dealing with specific habits. Are there habits or attitudes that may help people overcome fear? Well, yeah, sure. I, I think that there are. I think that one of the things that Jesus did all through his ministry was he named the demon. He named it, right? So it's not just sort of this big amorphous boogeyman out there, but it is it is this. And I think this is what good therapy and good spiritual counseling can help us to do. And that is to actually name the fear that is deciding the course of our life. And we may not even be aware of that. And so I, I think that that's sort of always a, a great first step. What is, what is it that I'm actually afraid of? Uh, some of us are, are afraid to be alone. Some of us are afraid that we don't belong. Some people, we're, we're afraid that we're nothing or we're not enough. We have no worth and et cetera, et cetera. We have all kinds of rational and irrational fears. And so to begin to sort of name that. And then I would say to begin to take spiritual sustenance from Scripture. I mean, if, if we see anything in Scripture, it is this constant uh, refrain of do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so what we what we what we see in the Bible is, is we, we see this assertion over and over again that God is bigger 
than anything you could be afraid of. God is more resourceful, more powerful, more viable than anything you could be afraid of. God is bigger and better than cancer. God is bigger and better than divorce and broken relationships. God is bigger and better and badder than bankruptcy. God is bigger and better and better than COVID-19, right? We are not resource, we are not left without resources, right? And so if we can sort of begin to let God have God's way with our imagination, then we can we can tame those fears. We can we ha- we can say something back to them. What I always recommend to people is Sure, our minds race, and sure they wander, and, and, and sure we can imagine and get fixated on the worst, but but we should not let those those words or those visions that come to us, all of us from time to time, don't let them have the last word. Right? We have a word to say back to them, and I, I think this is the, you know uh, Jesus doesn't let the devil get the last word. The devil sort of shows up and and prods and pokes Jesus for his fears, fears of being worthwhile or fears of sort of uh, being prominently spiritual and all those sorts of things. But Jesus never lets the devil have the last word, and neither should we. We have a word to say back. And then for some of us, as I suggest in the meditation, a very simple practice would be uh, put yourself in Peter's place. Imagine Jesus walking out to you. You know, this is something we can do in the office, we can do on a walk, we can do at home, we can do in our morning devotions or in our bed. Imagine Jesus walking walking to you. This is a powerful story. Walking to you, wherever you are in the midst of your circumstances, with Jesus's hand outstretched to you and saying to you, take heart, don't be afraid. You know, it's amazing, the, the human mind, imagination, the human machine is something that if, if we can sort of make this our, our regular uh, uh, sort of uh, statement to ourselves, it begins to create health in us to remember that we have a friend in Jesus who is saying, saying take heart, who himself has gone through the worst, betrayal, nails, uh, a lynching in front of his mother. And yet here's Jesus saying to us, take heart. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And so, so practices like that, I think, can in very personal and concrete ways help us to overcome those things which seek to limit us. That's helpful. I, 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 I you know, we've been talking about Walter Brueggemann for a number of weeks now, and this theme battered brought to mind what Brueggemann has called disorientation. And I, I think for many of us, we are in a time of disorientation where we don't we don't have our grounding or our footing. Much of what we've thought was true is no longer true, and we're trying to figure out how to move forward. Many of us not necessarily have lost hope, but hope seems to be a very far distant thing. And it's not just COVID, right? There are people who are have family members who are dying, whether it's from COVID related or not. They're dying and they can't have the funeral that they thought they could have. Um, People are dying alone and they're sick and uh, the economy is a wreck. There are many, many people out of work and can't pay their bills. So there's a lot of worry and anxiety in the system right now. And as I said before, uh, reorientation might be a bit in the distant future. So my question is, what 
doesn't kill us will often make us stronger. Yes, that's what that's a phrase. But yet when I think of the word battered, I think what I need to fortify myself against the next time I feel battered. (laughs) And so I'm curious if you have any ideas of ways that we can undergird and fortify ourselves right now. You had some attitudes and practices and habits. That's great. But sometimes I just don't want to hear, trust God. He's got this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I appreciate that. I, I think that, uh, yeah, people don't want a platitude and that's why it has to be a practice, right? I mean, platitudes are really sort of disconnected from anything that has um, depth and heft, right? And so when we say trust God, we're doing two things. Number one, we're remembering that we are immersed uh, in a body of liturgy uh, and a body of, of, of literature that says that God is trustworthy. And, and we are the people that don't, we're not sort of God adjacent. Uh, we're not sort of God affiliated. We are God's people. And so if that is real for us and we, and we maintain that, um, giving our imagination over to those stories, which keep that fresh for us, then that's, that's you know, 60% of the battle is, is that remember that that story of God's triumph, that's that story of God breaking in, that story of, of God uh, coming alongside um, uh, that is 6,000 or more years old is our story pl- playing out at our address right now. That, that, that makes it not a platitude. That means it's, it's my narrative. It's not just a little book I read occasionally. It is, that is my story. Uh, I am not the protagonist. God is the protagonist. I'm included in God's story, um, number one. Number two, um, it's not a platitude to trust God because you and I personally have a history with God, right? So, so I like to think about Peter after this, uh, this story. So, so how could Peter ever forget that, right? That, that, um, that Jesus came alongside of him. And even in his sinking, Jesus reached out and put him right. Um, what stories did Peter tell thereafter at the camp, at the campfire? And, and, uh, you know, and how did that story get passed down? And so you and I have a spiritual photo album, right? This is what I'm hoping. As, as people alive in God, as people who have a relationship with God, um, you know, we have built, you know, experiences with God. And so, you know, when we come to our next challenge, uh, what we want to do is we want to remember the last time God brought us through, right? It, it's no accident that the uh, Hebrew people continually refresh themselves uh, in the Old Testament, and the Jewish people nowadays continually refresh themselves with God's breaking in at the Exodus, right? So we are refreshed by that story. And so what we're doing uh, over a, a family meal there is remembering that God was able and that even though we were uh, subject to uh, the temptation of forgetting spiritual amnesia, uh, if we remember, then that will fortify us. And of course, we do that in our own liturgy as Episcopalians. It's a retelling of the time that God broke in and is breaking in. That's supposed to rekindle in us the embers of those stories, which we get we push to the side. And so, so trust God is not a platitude if it's immersed in something. 
And if it comes out of your own personal authenticity, I don't need somebody who has, you know, a faint relationship with God telling me to trust God. I want someone who, who utters those words and that and those words have a dynamic force behind them because they are lived by the person who's telling me to trust God. They're not introducing me to a friend they don't know. They're telling me about someone who is close to them, who they were just talking to yesterday, today, this morning, et cetera. And so it, it can be dynamic in that way. And so when Peter has this real life experience with Jesus uh, walking or sinking and, and, and failing at focusing on Jesus more than he focused on the storm, uh, you know, that goes into Peter's uh, spiritual autobiography, into his spiritual photo album. And so uh, what I like to say is, is that so then what you and I are afforded, you and I, is the next time that you and I are battered is that we can decide that we can be very active and proactive. We can decide uh, that I want to give God more faithfulness in this next storm than I did in the last storm. I want to give that to God. I want to give that to God because God is deserving of that. And I may have missed the mark in my last storm, but by God, I'm not going to miss the mark in this next storm because I have seen how God brought me through. I, I, I can confess my panic. I see it. I name it. I claim it. And yet now as I face this next storm, I want to give God a more faithful partner in this next battering. And so I, I think that we can decide to do that as spiritually mature people. I love that. And I think as a spiritually mature person, as I was listening to you, I was also pondering the wise words of Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, <laughs> <laughs> who lives, who dies, who tells your story. You know, I, exactly. I think exactly. one of the things is, is that sometimes we forget to tell our story. And especially when it's it's wrapped up in fear, um, sometimes we we hold that in rather than share it with others. And by sharing it, we're also helping them fortify themselves for the next time they go through a battering. So I think story is really important. Thank you for that reminder. Well, Bishop, uh, we're almost finished. Any any last thoughts for everyone? Uh, no, I just, uh, again, uh, we are being battered. All of that's legitimate. The wind is against us, just like the disciples of old. And we're far from um, the conclusion of all this. But we can choose today to confront our fears and to be faithful. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.